Listening Dog Media. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper. Hello and welcome to another Offside Rule podcast. Hope you're having a good start to 2013. Uh, Three more football topics up for debate, a Twitter topic of the week, a non-league roundup and also Kate Partridge with a roundup of what's going on in the Russian Premier League to come. It's all getting very busy on this show nowadays, ladies. Uh, Kate Borsay and Hayley McQueen returns after a sickness buggy. Feeling okay? I'm feeling a lot better, yes. It, it was not pretty. It was not nice. And I hope I have not passed it on to anybody else because, my God. Apparently, the contagious period's over, Kate. We're OK. Thank God for that, I tell you, because half of Sky Sports News was struck down, weren't they? Yeah. All from Hayley McQueen. It was the McQueen outbreak. <laughs> I got it last. It's, I'm so strong, I was holding on and it just wiped me out. Yeah. Um, now, I hope that you've managed to hear a little get well song at the end of last week's podcast. It was all about United winning the title. What did you reckon? Deck the holes. Well, if I wasn't already feeling ill, I, I certainly was after that. <laughs> It was, uh, it, was, it was special. It was music to my ears. Uh, yeah, thanks, girls. Actually, 10 out of 10 for effort. Yeah. Oh, that's all we get judged on. At school, that's all I was bothered about, the effort mark. <laughs> you know, um, the, one of our mutual friends did it, a girl called Sarah Noah, and she wants to put this on her CV. We've told her that she's gone absolutely mad, but I think she should also put the quote from Hayley McQueen, it was special. <laughs> <laughs> and also the fact that she wants it as a credit because she's an actress. <laughs> That's why. And maybe she felt like she was acting that United are going to win the title. We'll, but we'll roll on. Um, of course, you can download the podcast every single Monday. Thank you if you've been doing that religiously so far. We'd encourage you to tell your friends. At Offside Rule Pod is the Twitter account. And you can also follow us on Facebook, the Offside Rule Podcast. Uh, we're going to start with a topic which is very, very topical on our lips because we've had FA Cup weekend. I know that I don't really want to talk about this too much at the moment, girls. Are you okay, Linz? I'm not. I'm not. It's been a stressful weekend, FA Cup. Non-league opposition, Luton Town, Faker Others coming up, doing the non-league roundup. Big Hatters fan, me and her, not talking too much at the moment. (laughs) 
she, yeah, non-league, dump Wolves out. We then sack our manager, Stella Solbach, and saw that coming. We've now got Dean Saunders, ex-Aston Villa. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I always said this is a massive cl- cliche for me to turn out, but we're in the results business. <laughs> I'll wait and hold judgment, but I like him as a fella. I liked him. I always thought he was one of those charismatic players, and he's done well over in Donny. So I, I would like to see what he can bring to Wolves. But there is an element of me that's holding back judgment because, as you know, girls, I was a big Mick McCarthy lover. And look at him at Ipswich doing so well. What were we thinking? The female take on football. Let's move on then to FA Cup fourth round, which Wolves unfortunately are not included in. But we did have the fourth round draw. We've got some replays to happen. But what I've asked you girls to do is just look at the fourth round draw. Look at some perhaps shock movers within the FA Cup this year who we think might be another giant killer in the in the making and also who you think will make the final. Um, as we've not heard from her for a while, let's start with Hayley McQueen. Oh, well, it didn't take me long to think about this, actually, because I always, before the FA Cup starts, think, right, which team do I think is possibly going to go on and do it? And yes, I have my teams who I support, of course. I say say teams that would be, I have an allegiance to Manchester United and uh, Middlesbrough, my hometown team as well. But I'm going for Everton, actually. I really like what I've seen from Everton. And at the start of the season, when I was compiling my fantasy football, I had quite a few Everton players in there. So I've actually picked three. And I think one of the reasons I am actually doing quite well, just thought I'd get that in, um, manager of the week a couple of weeks ago. I've stopped doing it. I don't know where I am. Apparently I was doing okay by not checking. It. I only checked it up to week three. Um, I, yeah, I've chickened out. I'm not doing it. I don't have time. Oh, I'm terrible. I check every Friday afternoon. I spend like an, about an hour on it, about as much prep as I do before I go on air. I spend on my fantasy <laughs> football as well. But yeah, in the top 10, actually, I think we've got Fellaini and Jelovic as far as um, assists and goal scorers are concerned. I think they've just seemed to be really gelling very well this season. Been quiet, though, hasn't he, Jelovic? Certainly compared to last, well, compared to when he arrived last January. Yeah, he has gone a little bit quieter now. He's not in my team anymore. I took him out actually quite early on, but I, I had him in there when he was doing quite well. But um, unfortunately, they did get beaten by Leeds in the League Cup earlier on in the season. But uh, I think where they're sitting in the actual league, they're always underachievers. Uh, I think every season you kind of hope they're going to do well. People seem to like David Moyes. Kate's probably saying no in the corner, but I think people have a lot of respect for him. He was talked of for quite a while as coming in and being um, Sir Alex Ferguson's replacement when he leaves. That's obviously died down now uh, that we've got Pep and Josie Mourinho. One of them two, I think, is going to be battling for that. But I don't think um, Moyes would be out of place. I think he's a really good manager. I think he has got a really solid team right now who are look like they really want to win something and with that win over Cheltenham of course which we saw, uh, set them up for a tie now against Bolton or Sunderland they've already beaten Sunderland uh, in the league. They've had a lot of draws in the league I must say that but uh, the wins that they have had have been good ones of course they beat United on the first uh, game of the season, they've drawn with City and they just seem to be playing some very uh, nice football and I can see them getting right through to the final So have you done a combo there of your shock team but also your team to oh that's it she's she's doubled up so usually when we have a three plus one we've gone two to minus one okay no that's fine that's fine we're on to an Everton all round for Hayley uh Kate Borsay what have you got now I'm guessing you're going to disagree on the Everton front being a Liverpool fan I don't disagree actually on on the Everton front I don't have a massive feeling as to who's going to come on and do this FA Cup part of me thinks the kind of sicker side of me thinks that perhaps City will go on and win it mess up the league 
and their manager will get the boot at the end of the season, even though he won the FA Cup. A bit of a uh, Chelsea situation where, where your manager goes on and achieves brilliant things, but still gets the push anyway. Um, for my shocks, well, I've, I've picked out a couple of interesting ties, actually. I must say hats off to Brighton, who for the second year running uh, managed... Yeah, Hayley's doing a, a round of applause. Sorry, <laughs> Lindsay's doing a round of applause. Um, I must say hats off to them. Yes. Dispatched of Newcastle for the second year running 2-0 this year. And now they're going to meet Swansea City or Arsenal. I think this one's begging for an upset. Uh, Brighton have looked really good. They've got Wayne Bridge, who was really, really good, actually, in the uh, game against Newcastle. Uh, Craig McHale-Smith always looks dangerous. I know that you're a big fan of him. Craig McHale-Smith. Brighton, I think they're the best-looking size (laughs) in the whole of the Football League. I watched that game, and it was was definitely more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Were you watching the players' faces rather than where the ball was going, Hayley? Brighton staff, if anyone from Brighton Football Club's listening, Brighton and Hove Albion, we need a calendar sent this way. I've got to pick out Reading versus Sheffield United as well. Reading bottom of the Premier League, of course, or joint bottom. Um, I think they're going to have other things to focus on. Sheffield United doing really well in League One. Their third. Uh, they reached the Championship playoff final in 2009, but they had a, had a bit of a decline since then. So I think it's about time. Um, and it would be really nice for them as well in terms of FA Cup stories to um, go on and do something in this FA Cup. Easily dispatched of Oxford in the last round, and I fancy them to do the same to Reading. My final tip: Millwall versus Aston Villa. There's oh, no, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can continue this. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Millwall because whenever I come on the train in, into London, I pass uh, Millwall's ground. Um, they are seventh in the Championship. Not a very, uh, very awe-striking match to get them through to the fourth round. But Kenny Jackett, their manager, very experienced manager, has been at Millwall for nearly six years. I think he can more than handle a good run in, in the FA Cup. I remember when they reached the final back in 2004, not with Kenny Jackett, but they qualified for the UEFA Cup because of that. So they're going to be wanting those glory days back again. The Lions. Um... I, okay, Kate, well, like, you've completely spoiled that for me there with Millwall. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is what it's all about. We just prove that it's it's here and it's spontaneous and that's it. Um, Millwall, Kenny Jacket, I've just got to say, I've watched them a lot. So I had picked them out and I didn't want to heap further misery on Aston Villa fans. But I do think there could be a shock on the cards, um, especially because Millwall are playing at the Den. So it's a home tie for them in the fourth cup, fourth round of the FA Cup, should I say. Um, another team to look out for who I think will go on to the latter stages of the competition are less. Uh, they're away to Huddersfield next, but I do think under Nigel Pearson, he's really steadied that ship. They're looking like a Premier League side in the making, and they've had some great players come to the club. I think they're ones to watch, and perhaps something like a really good run in the FA Cup will cement their intentions going forward. So that's my other tip. Um, a couple of other key fixtures. I've got to mention that Norwich are up against Luton. It should have been Wolves, of course. Well, no, it shouldn't because we played direly. But um, I, I will wish the Hatters all the best at Norwich and at Carrow Road. I'm sure they'll have a great reception. And Oldham versus Liverpool. I don't think you, it's. I think you're going to have to replay that one. Oh, mm. I think there might you be a draw. Yeah, you have little faith. Uh, but for the final, Man City, Chelsea in the final for me, uh, quite predictable. Uh, we'll go on to our second topic, New Year. So who do we think will be making all the back pages of the newspapers in 2013? I want you to pick one player from the Premier League and one player from any other football league that you think will be making the headlines. 
Mine's going to be really obvious. I'm going to start with Robin Van Persie. When it was announced the FIFA Pro and the FIFA World Team of the Year, I was very disappointed that he wasn't in there. I kind of knew that he wasn't going to be. It was an all-Spanish lineup, as in all the players currently playing in La Liga. Uh, so perhaps no surprises there. But I'd have liked to have seen Robin Van Persie in there. I think he has just been unbelievable for Manchester United. I think when you sign a big player like that, when there are injury worries and there's worries about the money that you pay for them and you worry about the expectation and you you worry like your Andy Carrolls and your Torres is, okay, they perform for a particular team for X amount of seasons, but when they make that move, is he really going to live up to it? Is he going to fit into the Manchester United mould? Is he a Manchester United player? And I think he surprised uh, most people. Not surprising that he is, of course, scoring goals, but the goals that he's scoring, oh my goodness. He's just sublime. I'm really enjoying watching him. Um, I think he's already up there for contender for a couple of goals of the season. Um, he, I think, could perhaps come out as one of the players uh, of of all time for Manchester United. <laughs> I was just going to say player of the season in the Premier League, but I, I think he's definitely up there with that as well. I'm not going to ramble on too long about him because he's already grabbing the back um, page headlines, but I think that's going to continue, provided he stays injury-free. And to end that little bit of your debate... La 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 la. <laughs> no, you're uh, your other player from any other league. I am going to go with a, a young man who's started to grab the headlines. One that's being talked about in this transfer window, but actually might make his move in the summer, it is a man who has a big name to live up to in the form of his dad, Thomas Ince. I looked at him. I looked. I didn't go with him, but I did look at Thomas yeah. Ince. I think it's always very hard when you do have a young player um, who is not only being talked about as one to watch and one for the future and what have you, especially when you're dealing with a club like Liverpool, um, who let him go. And he's, of course, now at Blackpool, scoring goals aplenty, might I add, um, and possibly might go back to Liverpool. But it's so hard. How many players can you name who have actually made it and done well and followed in their father's footsteps? There haven't been many. It is so hard when you're living up to, especially when a father has played and you're playing in the same position as him because then there's even more to, to sort of compare it with. You've got to look at the right Phillips brothers, haven't you, really? Exactly. And, of course, you've got Harry Redknapp and Lampard and that kind of family connection, but it's so hard. And I think um, my dad, who played football and played with a lot of other, uh, you know, players at the same time as him, those ex-professionals now have had sons who have gone on to play football and they've discouraged them because they know what they have against them is their name, unfortunately. So um, he made his uh, first uh, debut, not just first debut, it is his debut, against uh, Robotniki (laughs) in uh, July 2010 in the Europa League. He was an unused sub, but that was the first time we ever saw him and thought, actually, yeah, he he may go on, he may do something. Uh, This is definitely one to watch for the future. Highly rated, of course, his contract uh, was up. He then went and signed for Blackpool. Um, and I think it looks like he might end up coming back to Liverpool. I don't know about you, Kate. Do you think he will come back? I think he will. I don't know whether there's um, a clause in his contract that Liverpool have first um, first offer uh, of him. I think the idea was for him to go away and get some match playing, um, uh, get some matches under his belt. And I think he will come back to Liverpool and give it a go there. And do you know what? If it... If it doesn't happen there, then he's probably, hopefully, got um, the call of all the other top flight teams um, after him. We're wondering about Thomas Ince's contract there. When he did sign for uh, Blackpool, they signed him on an initial two-year deal, Kate. 
uh, Liverpool did pay uh, a compensation fee. However, Liverpool are believed to have negotiated a sell-on clause of up to 35% with the seasiders. But I don't know about a buyback mm. clause. But yes, it is being talked about at the moment that he will return to Liverpool. And of course, if his dad has anything to say about it, then he probably will go there. Uh, another reason why I was looking at him, because I was looking at the stats um, about Stuart Downing, of course. I've followed his career since he was a young lad in uh, Middlesbrough's academy. And when you look at how he's done and how you compare someone like Thomas Ince, it is astonishing. Of course, they brought Downing in when Thomas Ince had just left. Had they have kept hold of him, maybe things would be different. OK, you can't put that kind of pressure on Thomas Ince because he is so young and Downing was coming in as an experienced professional. Uh, but uh, mid-December, this is how the stats lined up. Um, Stuart Downing had played 44 Premier League games. Uh, Thomas Ince had played 56 Championship games in the same time. Uh, Thomas Ince had scored 20 goals with nine assists. Stuart Downing, no goals and no assists. So there we go. Yeah. Poor old Stuart Downing. Poor old Stuart Downing. But in the FA Cup, of course, Downing has weighed in with two goals and an assist. And in Europe, in the six games, he's played a goal and two assists. So Thomas hasn't had the chance to play in Europe yet. He probably will. If he stays at Blackpool, that isn't going to happen. Uh, but maybe if Downing's out, things could flip back round again and he could be the man to replace him. Wow. Um, <clears throat> exhale, Kate Borsay. <laughs> what would you like to pick out for your players? Poor old Stuart Downey, by the way. That was that was very a very harsh comparison, Hayley McQueen. He is starting to look really good, actually, I have to say. Uh, so I'm going to go for Luke Shaw. Uh, Southampton's uh, left back, 17 years old. He's going great guns. And people are just starting to talk about him now. But the potential surrounding him has been huge. He's part of that... Southampton sort of factory almost of very talented young players. He's attracted interest from Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester City. He, he was the subject of a lot of transfer rumours this time last year, but uh, Southampton manager Nigel Adkins said that there was no way that, that he was going anywhere. And I think that his family and him had made the decision that he wouldn't go anywhere yet. Um, he's got really good people around him. His family keep him incredibly grounded. They all moved to Southampton. He's originally from, from the Kingston area in Surrey. They all moved to moved to Southampton to kind of keep him grounded. And he's doing so well. He made his Premier League debut in November. He has impressed. He particularly impressed in that one-all draw against Arsenal over the festive period. He's represented England at under-16 and under-17 level. He is an um, attacking left-back, very, very pacey, um, good with his free kicks as well, actually. Um, I like him. I really like him. And we will hear a lot more of this kid. We sort of talk about that left-back position a lot, don't we? Ashley Cole, Jaggy Elka coming over him. I can very well see Luke Shaw uh, stepping into that position alongside or after Jaggy Elka uh, runs his rule there. For my championship pick, I'm going to go for Will Hughes. He's 17. He plays for Derby. And rumours have it that Barcelona made a bit of a dossier on him. Um, he is an attacking midfielder. I quite like his Steven sort of Gerrard-esque play. He's not afraid to slide in for a tackle, so he reminds me a bit of Gerrard in that he will track back and make you know very important tackles. Uh, he made his first team debut for Derby against Peterborough as a 16-year-old in November 2011. He's played in every game this season, um, scoring twice. Played at England under 21 level, who's the second young player to play at that level when he played uh, in November last year. He is really exciting and he's also very noticeable. He's got this shock of blonde hair so you can see him whenever he plays you can always see him darting around the pitch. Really good with his trickery. He's got great attacking flair as well. 
I just really like him. He was named as the Football League Young Young Player of the Month back in November. Very composed. And you know how younger players often have problems trying to be consistent with their with their performances because as they learn and as they try and change their game and adapt their game, it doesn't always produce the most consistent uh, performances. He hasn't had that problem at Derby and for that I salute him. He's definitely one to watch. It's Will Hughes. I'm going to mention Premier League player. I was going to go RVP because I thought with Aguero's hamstring injury, I think he will make all the back pages. I think he will win the title for United pretty much single-handedly. Um, I don't think Rooney's going to be too involved. I don't think he's had a very good season. Um, so I was going to go RVP, but as Haley has said that, I'm going to switch my attention for back pages for Premier League to Frank Lampard, because now it has been confirmed that Chelsea are letting Lampard go at the end of the season. I do think he will be the player making all the back pages. I think he'll go out of Chelsea with a bang. He's released a statement saying he's committed to end his career at Stamford Bridge on a high. I think that will come in the form of goals, assists, free kicks, penalties. I think this man will make headlines. He will then have a big team come in for him. And I think next season he'll be still making the back pages Mm -hmm. because he will be playing for one of the top Premier League sides, hopefully not LA Galaxy. I don't want him to go to the States. And making a real impact for that title race still uh, in the kind of swan song of his career. Um, We're going to go down the leagues for my other tip. League 2. Um, a striker because the strikers around Van Persie speaking about him we haven't got many prolific goal scorers we haven't got many goal scorers that have scored many more than anyone else in any of the leagues apart from if you go to League 2 there is a 7 goal um, difference between the top goal scorer and the next one and the top one is from Port Vale he's a a young player called Tom Pope I say young he's 27 uh, but that's young to us lot (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Tom Pope plays for Port Vale now he played uh, against Plymouth Argyle at the weekend and I was I was actually involved in, in presenting a show that involved that match commentary and spoke to the commentators um, down the ISDN line and they were talking about Tom Pope saying he's just too much for these defenders to handle in League 2. So my, my tip is that I think he will move up the leagues whether that be through Port Vale getting promoted to League 1 or I could see a championship side coming in for him and in fact Dean Saunders at Wolves why not go for it? Um, we're going to have a break now. We're going to get a non league roundup from my favourite girl in the entire planet this week of course the Hatters fan that is Faye Carruthers what have you got for us <laughs> oh I'm really sorry Linz at least uh, we kind of did you a favour I suppose and I tell you what I have got a trip to Carrow Road coming up Sorry. Uh, both Luton and Macclesfield from the Blue Square Bet Premier are into the fourth round of the FA Cup, flying the flag for non-league teams. Luton go to Norwich as reward for beating Wolves. Macclesfield beat Cardiff and so they'll welcome Wigan or Bournemouth. But as I record this, that replay hasn't taken place yet. It wasn't to be for Mansfield, though, who were beaten 2-1 by Liverpool. And although unhappy with the manner of defeat, which was, of course, plastered all over the papers, they were praised across football for leaving 96 seats empty at Field Mill for the 96. Liverpool fans who died at Hillsborough. Back to league matters, though, and some transfer news for you. Barrow have had their transfer embargo lifted by the Football Conference. Good news for them. Grimsby have signed striker Ross Hanna on a permanent deal from Bradford. Newport have signed uh, Robbie Wilmot from Cambridge United. And Aldershot midfielder Jordan Roberts has joined Tamworth on a one-month loan deal. As I record this, Wrexham two points clear at the top, taking advantage of the fact that Grimsby's game at Gateshead midweek was postponed for waterlogging. They beat Alfreton also wins for Macclesfield, Luton and Southport. The league's still very, very tight, though. Uh, cold snap is due, so we might be likely to see more fixtures fall foul of the weather again.
again, unfortunately. I will be back next week with another roundup, so I'll speak to you then. Thank you very much, Faye. She didn't give me too much of a ribbing there. Um, <laughs> she was gentle with me. Uh, we'll go on to our third and final topic before we go on to Twitter topic of the week. Uh, let's rattle through this one. F- the FA are currently running a poll for the Women's Player of the Year. I have to say and put um, up front what a year it has been for women's football. Not only with the Olympics and Team GB playing and Steph Houghton, of course, grabbing all the headlines, proving as well that a defender scoring, it wasn't a fluke. She did it three times, yeah, girls. Um, and I've been heavily involved with women's football for many years, like playing myself at lower, lower, lower level, um, but also with the ESPN coverage of the Women's Super League and watching Arsenal ladies just boss it every season. But I have to say that I have seen a real turn in the kind of progression of women's football and also not only on the pitch, everything surrounding it, people talking about it, um, the the European adventures we've gone on. Hope Powell is, you know, a stalwart when it comes to the England women's side. And I just think we've got lots to talk about. And I hope that the women's game features in our podcast a, a lot more. So... Taking into consideration um, European competition, international competitions, the Women's Super League and Team GB at the Olympics, I want to ask you girls, who would you be voting for for your FA Women's Player of the Year? Now, the FIFA Player of the Year has just been announced. It was a USA player, um, Abby Wambach. Now, we're now going to go for for an English slash British player. Um, I'm going to go for Hayley McQueen first. Before I announce my player of the year, yeah, um, I'd just like to say I think St George's Park and I think the FA and the new Centre of Excellence is going to be something special. Hopefully not just find the next Lampards or Gerrards or Wayne Rooney's, but it's going to feature an elite performance Europe uh, unit just for the women's game aimed at producing the best young players and a new head of elite women's development as well to oversee a, a mentoring scheme for female coaches which I think is very interesting when you think of female coaches or managers you just think of Hope Powell you can't actually really think of anybody else but Laura Harvey oh I suppose yeah Laura Harvey the, the famous one but the general public and people who don't necessarily follow women's football wouldn't be able to name you Anybody, I don't think, apart from Hope Powell. I, I did a little survey with a couple of people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had my clipboards with my glasses, and um, it was just with my friends at home who are not football fans. These are my shopping friends, and they they couldn't name you anybody. Bobby Charlton, Sir Bobby Charlton, a quote from him just last year said, women's football used to be ridiculed, but not anymore. That was after watching the women's team GB, of course, compete uh, at London 2012. 70,000 fans for that um, group victory over Brazil uh, at Wembley. Uh, But the woman I have gone for is from Lincoln Ladies, not Arsenal, not Charlton, not Chelsea. That's it. She's not quite an imp. She's... Brilliant. She's a defender. She's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Casey Stoney, 30 years old, started all four of England's games at the uh, Women's World Cup, of course, uh, two years ago. Uh, Converted her kick in the quarterfinal penalty shootout, defeat to France. But she still managed to put that away. But anyway, uh, Faye White, of course, uh, when she fell pregnant and retired from the game, uh, Hope Powell appointed Stoney as her captain. So she then had this pressure on her to go on and lead the line knowing what a huge sort of couple of years were coming up. Of course, there was Team GB at the London Olympics and there's the, the Euros 2013 as well, which will be another very uh, exciting uh, summer for women's football. Uh, but anyway, in the summer, 
She captained the GB team uh, at the wonderful Olympics. I think a lot of people will certainly now be fans of women's football if they weren't before and actually take it seriously and realise it's not just a group of you know, 22 girls running about the pitch trying to have a go at football. No! The women's game does get stick, and that does really bother me. I was tweeting, um, I tweet quite a bit about women's football, not lots, but every now and again, and I do get people who have lots of positive things to say, especially young girls as well who are looking up to these females who also hold down full-time jobs and careers and their mothers, and, of course, their careers are stopped by... um, You know, having to go through childbirth, which Kate knows all about. And um, (laughs) do you know what I mean? These these girls aren't just paid like Premier League or even Championship League One, League Two footballers to to give up a life as they know it to just play the game. This is something they do on the side. Okay, um, Kate, I'm I'm going to save you. What? And it's the attitudes of the women's (laughs) players. And the reason I've gone for Casey Stoney just to finish it up is because she is focusing on seizing, on taking um, women's football to an absolutely new level. She's determined to change attitudes, Yep, promote the women's game and build on the impact that Team GB had at this summer's Olympics. What a, what a manifesto. I thought Hayley had finished, but obviously she, she's more passionate. I thought, I thought I was passionate about women's football and then I realised that we've got a, a trio here. It's going to go on and on. Um, I just wanted to say that Faye White, you mentioned Faye White, former England women's captain. Um, she has chosen Steph Houghton as her player of the year. Um, I, I think it's hard to surpass what Steph Houghton achieved in terms of bringing attention to the game. Um, but we are all going for, for people separate to Steph Houghton. But I did want to say to Steph over this podcast. <laughs> I wanted to make a personal message to Steph Houghton. No, a personal message that I do think she should have got Player of the Year as well at the FA Women's Awards. And she has done wonders for the game. And we are deliberately going for different people because we thought it would be a landslide um, sort of voting otherwise. But um, another thing to say, the five-year five game changer has been a welcome, welcome addition by the FA to show that they're committed to the women's game. So I will applaud them for that. Um, Today, as we record this podcast, the England women's team have all um, in unison decided not to sign new contracts because of money issues. And I think brilliant, you know, do that because equality is never going to be level in in football or not in our lifetimes when it comes to women and men but we can make little steps Mm. towards getting there so everything that you were just going on about with childcare and being mothers and holding down a job these girls they put in just as much dedication they go on away trips they have to have physio they have to do all the training however many times a week all the same demands yet no payoffs Mm. really so hold firm girls and get what you deserve Let's go on to mine and then we'll finish off with yours, Kate. So I'm going to go for my favourite player. And I know that Kate knows this and I know that Kate likes her. I love Kim Little from Arsenal Ladies. Um, I've watched her for two seasons now in the WSL um, where I've just been amazed by her technique and she bosses games and her her finishing, she's going to score. She's a bit of a Lampard-Gerrard type, you know. She will dictate the play. She'll definitely field out the passes. But when it comes to finishing, her finishing is sublime. I, I just love how in a side like Arsenal Ladies, she's like one of the first names on the team sheet. And without her, I do think that other sides could pick Arsenal Ladies off. I think she's that important. So for me, I would go for my Women's Player of the Year for Kim Little, who I heart. 
<laughs> I also heart Kim Little because she's like a little demon Gerard. She's great. She really is. Um, I just like her because she's really exciting um, to watch. Um, she provided two assists actually in the game against Cameroon at London 2012. And if anyone saw that game, my God, we got chopped to bits, didn't we? Cameroon were incredibly physical and actually quite a few of our players suffered in that game. Um, she's just really exciting to watch. She normally plays as the advance midfielder in Arsenal's 4-3-3, um, but she can occupy a deeper role when, when she's playing for her country. Scotland was one of only two Scottish players to get selected for the London 2012 squad. She's got some great stats, you know, not only this season, she isn't a flash in the pan, and that's what I want to make the point, really, um, about her. In the 2009-2010 se- um, season, she scored 47 goals from 36 appearances. Just a, a, a really good goal-scoring record, and as you say, um, a really lovely finisher as well. So I'm going to chip in with um, a vote for Kim Little as well. Thank you very much. Right, we've got Twitter topic of the week. Um, next, Carlton Cole. Did anyone see this tweet, ladies? Uh, damn, just watched match of the day. It really was a soccer AM taxi for Carlton moment. My mum would have put that away. Chin up. <laughs> Hashtag. Bless him. Um, and that's inspired us to talk about, uh, of recent times, what we've seen with our very own eyes, um, really bad misses. I'm going to have to go back to the Euros and our penalty shootout against Italy in the quarterfinal because I was there. I'd, I'd flown out to Kiev for that match and I think I'm still a little bit damaged after seeing it. Steven Gerrard and Wayne Rooney pop up and the first two go in. Ashley Young steps up and there's a collective intake of breath. His family was sat fairly near us in the stands there and um, it didn't go in and Ashley Cole stepped up and that didn't go in and it was just... It was just horrible. It was, as I said, I think I'm still sort of damaged. I don't know if I feel like I could ever put myself in a situation like that again. So perhaps I should just avoid supporting the national team or or any team of mine at a very crucial point like that. I know England aren't good at penalty shootouts, um, but that one in Kiev just uh, reiterated the point and a bit of a sour note, really. Uh, mine has a penalty theme as well because the most recent miss that I just put my head in my hands for was on Boxing Day. I was reporting on Ipswich away at Charlton and DJ Campbell, who's someone that I watched for many seasons and been very impressed by. And one of the things that I've always thought he's had is that power to be able to have mind over matter. And I never thought that he'd really get phased by too much. But he stood up to take a penalty in that game and not only missed, but missed by a fair whack. It went real wide. And I just was very surprised by him. He then had another attacking move just... uh, basically within the next 10 minutes, where he blazed wide again. And I just thought he's lost his scoring (laughs) boots. What's happened to DJ Campbell? Um, So I I found those misses incredibly shocking. But he did go on to score in that match. So maybe you need a few misses to bang one in. Um, Speaking of banging one in... Like Hooper's, Hooper's life philosophy. Sometimes you need a few misses to bang one in. <laughs> oh, I can't think of one on the spot. This is really tough. There have probably been quite a few. I know I've seen one or two in the Champions League, but off the top of my head, I can't think. So the uh, miss most recently, I think, was uh, Mancini's hand to Balotelli's face. He just missed, didn't he? <laughs> didn't he? He grabbed the bib. There was everything going on apart from that. Oh... Wouldn't we have loved to have seen that from the top of the tree with that photographer? That photographer who's probably still dining out on the money he made from those pictures. 
That is a genius ending. I like how you inferred that topic. Twitter topic of the week will return next week. Uh, one final thing. We're going to go over to Kate Partridge now for a roundup of everything Russian Premier League. Here is Kate. The female take on football. Hi, girls. Happy New Year. Well, with the Russian Premier League in its first ever winter break, the past month's big story concerned the transfer window. Indirectly, the now infamous Selection 12 letter on a fan's website apparently urged Zenit to keep it local and not sign black or gay players. Angie defender Chris Samba supported sanctions, but not a boycott. Black players should fight for the good ones, not the idiots, he said, a view likely shared by Seth Blatter. So, to the action. With half the season gone, Russia seems like England. Relegation fighters, European hopefuls and title contenders. Two go down with stranded Mordovia favourites, though second-bottom Alanya do have the experienced Valeriga Saev at the helm and set to sign former Real Madrid and Everton defender Royston Drente. While just four points separate fourth from tenth, Moscow big gun Spartak, Lokomotiv and Dinama are all struggling mid-table, with Rabin set to face holders Atletico Madrid in the Europa League. But the title race is between the top three, Tesca, Angie and Zanit. Since going out of Europe, Tesca have flourished. A late wobble did see them draw at Zanit and lose at Angie, but victory over Mordovia put the army men three points clear and on course for a first title in seven years. Angie are two points behind and have only lost twice. With Samueletto and Lucina Traore up front, Gus Hiddink in the dugout, a billionaire owner and a Europa League doubleheader against Hanover in the last 32, they're ambitious to claim a first Russian and European crown. Finally, twice defending champion Zanit got off to a flyer and expectations rose with the $100 million signings of Hulk and Axel Witzel. But then captain Igor Denisov went on a pay strike and Zanit went out of the Champions League. A return to form was halted by the scandal at Dinamo, where a thrown flair injured the home side's keeper. A 3-0 technical defeat followed, plus three home games behind closed doors, resulting in draws against Tesca and Angie as the top three jostled for supremacy. However, Zanit faced Liverpool in Europe, are just five points adrift, and Alexander Kurzhakov remains league top scorer with ten goals. And the chances of that local hero leaving St Petersburg this January are as likely as Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. As for any other moves, please follow me on Twitter at Kate Partridge RT. Bye for now. Thanks very much to Kate for that. Well, that rounds up this week's podcast nine of the Offside Rule. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and on Facebook, like the page, the Offside Rule Podcast, please. Um, that's it for this week. Then we'll be returning next week. Kate's already stuffing her face with a cake that our producer Sarah has, <laughs> has kindly made. It's delicious, by the way. And folks at home, we'd love your input, of course, on the Twitter topic of the week. Send them in. We may even mention you. Brilliant stuff. That's how we're going to end it. Bye for now. Bye. The Offside Rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper.